Good morning. Glad you uh, made it back here to Vintage Church gathering this morning. Uh, be thinking, we've got a lot of people out today that are ill. Um, be thinking about your friends and how you can pray for them and check up on them uh, when you leave here today um, so that they will be assured of what you feel. You love them, so assure them of that by by checking on them and figuring out if they're okay. You can make it awkward like I do by saying, not in a judgy way, because you weren't here this morning, but I do that on purpose. So, uh, But check on your people, make sure they're okay, uh, show that you love them. I think it's uh, often we kind of get caught, I know I do, I get caught in like the the movements of the church that sometimes I forget to be the church. So make sure that we're not getting caught in the movements of the church. Make sure we're, we are the church and um, show loving kindness and consideration and respect and um, generosity and dot, dot, dot to those people around you that you love. Uh, If you would, let's go ahead and go on in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, we're going to be in verses 21 through 26. Well, uh, it's going to say 26 up there, but I changed my mind about how I wanted to order this. So Romans 3, 21 through 25, and then 25a really, and then I'm going to use the rest of 25 and 26 to finish out chapter 3 next week. Romans chapter 3. Verses 21 through 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by this grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom put forward as a whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. He had passed over former sins. Pray with me today. Lord, thank you that we are justified in you and you alone. Thank you that you have taken sinners, desperate, needy, far off, and you have made us right with the Father. Lord, even though we are a new creation, even though we are um, the oldest passed away, Lord, we still are needy and desperate for you. Lord, I pray that we wake up every morning desperate and determined that the only, th- the only person that fill our cup the only thing possible to fill our cup is Christ Jesus. 
Help us to be desperate and needy for Christ and Christ alone. Lord, would you break down any idols, any hindrance, anything that we have in our life that is prohibiting us from trusting and relying daily in all that comes from Christ. Lord, would you teach us today from your word that we may put away sin, that we may put away all hindrances, all stumbling blocks, and that we may pursue you, that we may run with endurance the race that is set before us. Help us to be humble. Help us to pursue holiness. And in the end, let it all to be about your glory and your fame among the nations. Bless today. Bless our time. For our time with you is truly a gift from God. Help us never to lose that thought. Help us never to lose that sight. We praise you and we love you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. It is in the holy and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Today we'll go back through the concept of justification. We will use our time today to round out some of our some of the most I think, very important aspects of justification that I think will help to shape our view in a gospel-centered way. Our, not only our view of justification, but our view of God in general. I think there are a couple of concepts around God that our gospel-centeredness is hinged upon. And one of those concepts is our view of justification. If you remember, justification is an act of God. It is a legal declaration in which God pardons the sinner of all of his sins and accepts and accounts the sinner as righteous in his sight. God declares the sinner righteous at the very moment that the sinner puts his trust in Jesus Christ. Remember, I told you last week, if you were here, R.C. Sproul said, justification is forensic in that it is legal. We are declared right in God's courtroom. He went on to say it is synthetic and not analytical. Synthetic is two things added together to form a synthesis. Simply, we are justified only because of the work of Jesus Christ and it being added to us. If we stand before God without this synthesis, we are doomed. The Roman Catholic doctrine of justification is analytical. The legalistic doctrine is analytical. It says that we cooperate with the grace of Christ and do good work to be saved. The finished work of Jesus Christ enables us to become better people, and God declares us saved based on the fact that we have become better people. But we know the scripture says that our justification is not analytical, but it is forensic. We are declared right. It is synthetic because God has added his righteousness to us. 
Now, we've seen all over the first part of Romans the problem with the then and the solution in the now. And I would like to tell you that the remedy for the then is that now we have been justified by God through the work of Jesus Christ. Our view of justification might be one of the most important views that we hold on to, both personally and in as a body in the local church. Martin Luther said, The rise and the fall of the church is determined upon her view of the doctrine of justification. Charles Spurgeon went a little further when he said, Any church which puts in the place of justification by faith in Christ, any other method of salvation is a harlot church. John Bunyan said, Indeed, this is one of the greatest mysteries of the world, namely that a righteousness that resides with a person in heaven should justify me, a sinner on earth. We stop again today in Romans 3, 21-26 because a proper view and response to justification is one of the major tenets of the church. It is one of the major aspects of you having proper theology in your own personal life. And I believe... now. Don't, don't just hear what I'm saying directly. Don't judge me on this too harshly. I believe that if we get the, the idea of justification properly in our mind, we can mess up on a whole, lot, a whole lot of other theological ideas and still be okay in pursuing the Lord. Now, I don't want us to like go and intentionally see what we can screw up. But if we get the, the, the aspect and the, the theological idea of justification right, it will, it will carry us a lot further than our views on tongues or than our views uh, on church polity, our views on uh, the direction of politics as it relates to Christians. You understand what I'm saying? Our view on justification sets us on a path of long-tenured walking with Jesus. Our early walk through Romans has taken us to a pretty dark place, right? As it concerns our view of mankind. Desperate, depraved, without hope, and on and on and on. But starting in chapter 3, we have a new hope. We can move from the then into the now. As a matter of fact, our section that we started last week starts off with these beautiful words that give us this hope that change from the then to the now. But now... There's a definitive declaration that a change has been made. That a change throughout history has been made. You were this way. This was the way it is. You were without hope. But now, our desperation is not so prevalent. Our hopelessness can be pushed away. Today we will see why the then is so why the now is so great. Why the now is so great. And that is because we are justified. What I want to do is I want to finish our list, uh, our list of the aspects, I think, the truths about justification uh, that will help us to put our mind in the right trajectory as it concerns our salvation, as it concerns following the Lord. The remedy, friends, for the then we discussed, the remedy for the then, we discussed this last week, is justification. So we started discussing these truths, these aspects of justification, and I'm going to briefly just remind you of those from last week. 
Justification is apart from the law. That was our first one from last week. Justification is apart from the law. It's not religious practice. It's not spiritual disciplines. The law itself cannot save us. The purpose of the law was to restrain the behavior of man. It was to enlighten us as it concerns our sinfulness and to point us to our need for a Savior. Justification is apart from the law. The second thing we discussed last week is justification is testified of in the Old Testament. The law and the prophets testified of a justification of faith in the Messiah who was revealed a few thousand years ago. And we looked at examples of how people were saved before Jesus. Justification was testified in the Old Testament, in the law and the prophets. Justification has always been and will always be about faith in the one true God. It has always been about faith in God, what He has done, what He can do for you, and not what you can do for Him. And the law and the prophets testify of that. So when we get to Jesus, and Jesus is saying the same thing, we can know that this is not a different doctrine, but Jesus, the 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 theology He teaches and preaches is an ancient doctrine. Apart from the law, as testified in the Old Testament, as testified by the prophets, as testified in the New Testament. Salvation is apart from the law. Righteousness is apart from the law. Justification is apart from the law. The third thing we discussed last week, justification is the righteousness of God. Justification is the righteousness of God. If you remember, we stated that justification is clearly from God. If it's going to happen, it must come from God. But you also must remember that we said justification is of God. Many times we try to justify ourselves and we fall short every time. But if we really examine it, we will see that we are even using the wrong currency. Remember my illustration last week? I hope that was helpful for you. It's like uh, we are on the no interest payment plan and at the end of the no interest compounding interest payment plan we come to the last day and we drive a truck full of bananas up to a great American home store and we say, I'm here to pay for my no interest payment plan. We know that Great American Home Store, probably in the United States at least, maybe in another country, is not going to, It probably not though, is not going to take a truck full of bananas as currency. Even if it has the same value as the furniture you bought. So what we find is, I use that illustration to show you, is that we find, what we find is it's not only that we don't have enough currency to pay for that compounding debt that we keep accruing, but we are using the wrong currency. Anytime we try to use self-works, what we're doing is we are lifting up death on the altar to God. We're saying, here, here is my dead works, Lord. Take this as an offering. May it be an acceptable offering. Here is my goodness. Here is my righteousness. It's not that we miss the mark daily, friends. It's that we even use the wrong currency if we are trusting in anything else but Christ. No dead carcass of good works will satisfy the wrath of God. The only thing that will save mankind from himself and the wrath of God is to be dressed in the righteousness of God alone. And then as the song says, we will stand faultless before 
his throne. I want to introduce to you the last four aspects, the last four truths of justification that I think will help us to set our mind in a proper state as it concerns the salvation of mankind. D is justification is by faith alone. Look at verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. I finished last week's sermon off by telling you that one of the main practical reasons that I put so much faith in Christ, that reason is based on what is actually required to follow God. What is the premise of our justification? What is the reason that I put so much faith and hope and trust in our salvation? I want you to know that every other religion has their way to God. Some are spiritually based, some are more ritual based. All but Christianity operate under the assumption that there is some role that mankind plays in his salvation. All but Christianity elevates mankind and his role. All but Christianity has an improper view of how a person is justified. Whereas other religions elevate man, Christianity with a proper view of justification elevates God. Justification is by faith alone. One of the greatest reasons, practical reasons that I follow and have faith in the Christian system is because in order to be justified, we must elevate God and not man. And Ephesians, which we read last week before our sermon, tells us that even our faith is a gift from God and not a work. Now, we would be crazy to think that works were not involved at all. Works are a result of the saved life being changed and renewed. Good works are the overflow of a heart committed to the change that Christ alone has done. Justification is by faith alone. There's another thing that we must cut out of our worldview as it pertains to faith. It is the idea behind the coexist bumper sticker. Practically, it is impossible. We can't live in a world together. Uh, We can live in a world together, excuse me, but many of the religions on that bumper sticker propagate harm against other faiths. What the bumper sticker is actually promoting is an all faith is good faith type thing. That all faith leads to God. You call him Jesus. I call him Allah. They call him Buddha. It doesn't really Matter is what that bumper sticker, that ideology is saying. Here's the reason why this doesn't work. Besides the fact that it is unbiblical, here's the reason why it doesn't work. This idea won't work because the Bible says that the righteous are justified by faith. And the most prominent aspect of faith is not believing in all gods, but believing in only one true God. It is trusting in God so much that you put away every work. Trusting in God so much that you put away every gift. Trusting in God so much that you put away every potential religious system. And trust in Jesus Christ alone. Trust in God alone through the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. One major aspect of faith is proven in the fact that all roads don't lead to God. And you have to trust that He is not one of many, but he is the only one. 
The righteous are justified by faith. The reason all roads lead to God doesn't work is the only way to be justified and faithful is to put away all other religions. Now, this doesn't just mean the established religions. This means your practical morning routine and idolatry. This means the religions that you make for yourself. The I'm a good boy religion. Or I'm doing this religion. Or I'm doing that religion. This is all idolatry that we put away. The righteous are justified by faith. Justification is by faith alone. And faith is putting away all systems, all works, all hopes, but Jesus. All roads lead to God won't work because faith is saying there is only one God. The righteous are justified by faith. There's a little bit at the end of this verse. It says, and there is no distinction. There is truly no distinction between people, whether it be religious past or country of origin or whatever barrier man might place between other men. What it, what it truly means is that salvation is for all people everywhere. But it also means that all people everywhere, in order to truly understand saving faith, must put away all false religion, all idols everywhere. Every false religion is an attempt to take God off of His throne, to subvert true saving faith. There is no distinction, friends. All people everywhere will be justified by faith alone in Christ alone. The righteous will be justified by faith. What is next concerning justification? This is E. Justification is not only by faith alone, it is needed by everyone. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Honestly, we're going to stay on this for like two seconds because we have discussed this. uh, Is it ad nauseum? Is that when you've discussed it so much that you're, yeah, you get it. Uh, I know that the the two aren't related, but we've discussed it extensively. So I won't stay on it for very long, but there is no one, no, not one who has escaped their need for a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one who by their inheritance or by their legacy or by their good works or their passion has tipped the scale of justice in their favor. The law and the testimony of Jesus tell us that the measure of God is perfection and that everyone but Jesus has failed to meet that standard which makes his work all the more impossible to replicate and all the more important to receive. Just like there is no distinction in persons, there is no distinction in sin. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God as can be seen by the testimony of the world throughout our history. All are in desperate need of a Savior. All are equally condemned. There is no distinction. There is no distinction between mankind and there is no distinction between sin. So your small sins do not make you better or more distinguished. They do not distinguish you from other sin, other people who have larger sins. The proper response to sin, friends, is contrition and not rationalization. Do you understand? The proper response to sin is desperation and, and sorrow. 
and repentance and not rationalization. We've got too many people who come to too many church gatherings, too many church services who rationalize their sin instead of repent. The proper response to sin is sorrow over our sin and repentance and not rationalization. Justification is needed by everyone. F, justification is given as a gift and are justified by grace as a gift. Free gift. God's riches at Christ's expense. You need to hear this, and I genuinely have come to the point that I respect that someone taught you about Jesus, but if they taught you anything but what I'm about to say, they are wrong. Our right standing with God is a complete and 100% gift. I've said it a hundred times over the last few uh, sermons in Romans, and I will say it a hundred thousand times if you're around me long enough, you'll hear it in our lifetime. But grace and faith are a gift which makes salvation a complete gift of God. It is not only a gift done for us, but it is a gift done to us. We are given this gift to hold, but we are also given this gift so that it may become a part of us and we may become a part of the redeemed. That this gift would not only save us, but place us in the realm of the elect. Hebrew calls it what the group that we join, Hebrew calls a great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. They are the cloud of faith that shows that faith Uh, That justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and it is a gift of God alone, not of works, which we have done, so that we might run the endurance in this walk of faith. The ransom price has been paid. We have been delivered from certain death. The kinsman redeemer has come and purchased us and set us up in his kingdom. What a relief to know that the rescue of God is a gift of God and there are no strings attached. What a relief to know that even if we wanted to, we don't, by the way, even if we wanted to, we couldn't. But he wanted to and he did. What a relief to know that even if we Thought that we were good enough, we weren't, but He is. What a gift. And it isn't just, oh, how neat, this is a gift of God. There are some real practical results from this. There are some real results that we need to take from this. You need to hear this. There are some theological ideas that you can take from this. It's not just a gift. Oh, this is a gift. Thanks, Thanks Lord, for the gift. This is great. I'm saved. There's more to it. Since salvation is a gift apart from human doing, there is nothing keeping us from being saved right now. Since grace is a gift apart from human doing, there is nothing keeping us from being saved right now. It's not a clean up our life so that we can be saved. It's not a reconcile our past so that we can be saved. We have to trust His work. We do have to trust His work. But for people who think they have to clean up their life, salvation can never happen now. It always happens in some time in the future until it doesn't or until it can't. It'll be tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be ready. I'm just not ready yet until there is no tomorrow. The Bible says that now is the acceptable time and that today is the day of salvation. Since 
The sense grace is a gift completely from God. There is nothing preventing any human from being saved now because it is a work of God and not a work of self. Since salvation is a gift of God, the second thing you need to hear that's very practical about this gift, it is irrevocable. If salvation is about what we do, then what we do can cause us to lose it. But if salvation is about what God does, then what God does will always keep it. Jesus said no one will be able to snatch those that the Father has called out of his hand. That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. That means until you die or Jesus returns. God is unwavering and He is unchanging and since salvation is all about the decision He made before the foundation of the world to save us, we are set with Him. What we do now does not affect our salvation in that way. Now I'll give you the, I'll give you the standard disclaimer. The standard disclaimer is that our lives... The way we respond to salvation or the way we respond to Jesus is a definitive testimony of whether or not Jesus lives in our life. Our works are a definitive testimony. I know that I feel it necessary to tell you I know that you're smarter than, the, smarter than to, to not understand that. You understand that, I know. But I feel it necessary because maybe someday someone listens to this recording and they say, But Bryce, how do works play a role? So I don't want to have to explain that later. So here you go. The way our lives and our response to Jesus and what he has done is a definitive testimony that he lives in us. But friends, if the work of salvation is a free gift, if it's all about God, listen friends, take solace in the fact that you are secure in Christ. Imagine if the love of your father was determined upon what you did for him or what you could offer him. What kind of relationship would you be in if your wife or your husband put stipulations on whether they would love you or not based on what you did for them? It would be miserable. It would not be a place that I would want to be. In this broken world, it happens, but it is not an example of the love of Christ. Because the love, the only stipulation for the love of Christ is that he first loved us and gave himself up as a sacrifice for us. And if, and excuse me, since salvation is a gift of God, salvation is irrevocable. Since salvation is a gift of God, and this is most important to me, I don't know, you probably have never recognized this because I hide this so much, but I struggle with humility sometimes. But since salvation is all from God, then as the Bible says, no man can boast. If every aspect of salvation is about God, then the only one we can brag on is God. And guess what happens when the only one we can brag on is God? Glory goes to Christ alone. This is ultimately what giving glory to God is in our salvation. It is recognizing that the work is about Him and we are passive. Being so grateful for His work that we keep daily offering our lives in response to the work 
that he has done in us. This is true gratefulness and thankfulness. This is bringing glory to God. This is understanding that salvation is truly a gift. As Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, it's by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. He goes on to say in verse 10 that you were created, you were created beforehand for good works. And the last part, what's the last part of verse 10? Do you know it? So that no man can boast. By grace, through faith, it is a gift. He established before the earth was created that you would walk in this way. So that at the end, after you've been walking this way for a little bit, you don't look back at yourself and say, man, I've done a really good job. You look back at yourself and you look back at the words of God and say, how did I get here? What a great God. By grace you are saved. Through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. So that no man can boast. It's the end of verse 9, not the end of verse 10, sorry. There's one more aspect of justification that I would like to discuss as we close today. And that is this. Justification is through Jesus. Justification is through Jesus alone. Verse 24. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. If we mention justification in all the terms that we have thus far, uh, we can relate to those pretty easily. We are found right in God's courtroom. We can relate to that. We are, he has taken our penalty. We can relate to that. This was a free gift by grace alone, through faith alone, apart from the law, we can relate to that. But we start talking about propitiation, and it's a little bit foreign to us. Propitiation is an ancient term used to represent an atoning sacrifice to a deity. This is a sacrifice in the fires of a wrathful and angry God in hopes of appeasing His wrath and His anger. For much of the church in our time, this type of wrathful God doesn't sound like the God of the New Testament. But of course, you know better. You know that God is love for sure, but that God in his nature cannot allow sin to go unpunished, and therefore God is also a God of wrath. There must be a sacrifice on God's altar to appease his wrath. It is the wrath of God that is our problem. And if we are to be justified or made right from his wrath, there must be an appeasing sacrifice. We have talked about this so much over the first part of Romans that I don't want to belabor the point. But I do want to remind you, God's wrath is justified. It is not feelings-based. It is not quick or uh, reactionary. But it is justified. It's thought out. It's methodical. It's above our mindset. And as can be seen by a couple of thousand years of Jewish history, it cannot be satisfied by sacrifices or the work of human hands. His wrath, hear me, his wrath was only satisfied by killing his son, who is the perfect sacrifice. He is both God and man. As God, he is a sacrifice he is an acceptable sacrifice because he is God. 
as man. He is an acceptable sacrifice because he came to this earth. He lived on this earth like you and I did. He faced do. He faced everything that we do, and he lived it unscathed by the sin of mankind. He is the perfect and only sacrifice. And the Bible says it pleased God to kill him. It pleased God to sacrifice him. And that's what propitiation is. That pleased. That word. It pleased God. Meaning his wrath was satisfied in killing his son. He is the ram caught in the thicket. And it pleased God to take us off of the altar and to place his son on the altar. Not just because salvation, this is his way of salvation, but because we are broken and an abominable sacrifice. We look at salvation in sort of the romantic sense. Jesus took our place. He's so good. He, he paid a debt he did not owe, and he took my place. And that is right. And you should take that and hold on to that. But that's sort of a, a romantic, it's sort of romanticizing it a little bit. Here's why God took our place. Because you're horrible as a sacrifice. Because you don't work, I don't work as a sacrifice. We can sacrifice ourselves all we want on the altar of God and we would just burn up and it would mean nothing. The reason God took our place is He said, Come here, little boy, get out of the way. Come here, little girl, get off. Because you are not pleasing to God. I am. We can romanticize it because it is true that he died for us. He paid a debt we did not owe. He went in our stead. But the real reason is because if he didn't, we could sacrifice ourselves day and night. And it would not be enough. We would burn up. We would go away. And that would be it. God would look at us like, you missed the mark here. This wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking for something better. I was looking for the best. And it pleased God to kill his son because he was that sacrifice that could appease the wrath of God. Friends, nothing else will do. Nothing else will will do. I saw a quote this week on Facebook and it killed me once I understood what it was saying. I should not dare dabble. If Christ died for me, I should not dare dabble. I should not dare pursuit the thing that killed my best friend. If Christ died for me, I should not pursue the thing the very thing that killed Christ. Friends, how do you respond? How do you respond in your life to what God has done? Is it surrender? Is it repentance? Is it sorrow, contrition? Or is it rationalization? Self-justification? What is it? The faster we remove ourselves from the altar, the faster and better God can do and show us the work 
that He has done for us. The righteous will live by faith alone, through Christ alone, and the work that He has done alone. Friends, stop making the wrong sacrifice. People walk away from Christianity and say, I tried, I did, I did, and nothing ever worked. And it's because they never stepped off the altar and let Jesus take their place. It's all about doing. It's all about works. It's all about what we can do, what, how we can please God personally. When God says, it's about me. It's about my glory. It's about who I am. It's about what I've done. And that's it. And then as an overwhelming, uh, as the overwhelming joy of salvation comes into our heart, we will have no choice but to return to Him our lives as an offering because of what He, do, what he has done and what He is doing for us. Our lives, our good works, are just a representation of the joy that we have from the gift, the free gift of salvation that comes through Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me today? Lord, if we don't get justification right, we're going to be spinning our wheels for the rest of our lives. Would you help us to understand, to trust, open our eyes, open our heart, open our minds to what true justification is? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from the law, needed by all, Help us to trust you. God, we ask that you would open our hearts today to your word so we may live it, we may speak it, and that others may be changed by it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.